Hey, good people. Welcome to the Sunday Dinner Podcast. I am Daya Lene, your host who will try not to do the most, but I have been called dramatic and I can be dramatic. So just be prepared. That's my disclaimer. But it's always in good with good intentions, just to bring a little spice to your life sometimes. I am a certified life coach who specializes in encouragement. I'm also a mental health advocate. I am very big on that and a lot of the show will be geared towards mental health, so fair warning. I'm also the queen of quotes, so you'll hear a lot of those from me. And I am very resourceful, so I'll be sharing the gems I find with you and hope to pass the information along and hopefully it can help you out as well. I have decided to be the change I want to see in the world, as Gandhi would say. I'm here to offer encouragement and tools for healing and hope to building back the black family. I am excited to share this conversation with you all. As you can tell, the conversation just ebbs and flows so naturally and organically, and a lot of topics are covered, um, which all circle back to discipline in some way. But yeah, get into it. I hope you enjoy it. So I usually like give an introduction of how I know this person and what I know about this person, um, the guest, but I don't have that much information about you. The reason or how we got connected is because um, on social media, I put up that I was looking for a single father to be on the episode with me. And the reason I was looking for a single father at that time, like because I was going through my own struggles and I was realizing like sometimes that my emotions get in the way of properly disciplining my children or leading my boys in the correct way. And I just feel like sometimes as a woman, um, being a woman and a mother, naturally I am there to nurture my children. And because they don't have an active male in their life, I just wanted like a male's perspective of that. And what? you got in my inbox and you was like, I'm willing to do it. So thank you um, for adding value to tonight's show and sharing with us, you know, your lifestyle, what's going on with you and how you feel about parenting. Thank you for having me. And what'd you say? I said, thank you for having me. Oh, of course. Of course. Um, so we have had the pleasure of meeting each other and I had, um, the opportunity to get to know a little bit about your upbringing and your background. And I found out that you were raised by a single mother who was active in the military. That's correct. How, mm-hmm, could you explain to me how that was like just being uh, the only child for one and also having your mother in the military? Coming from a structured household, even though it was just my mother and myself, my mother really ran a tight ship. She wasn't, strict but she was very disciplined everything had a place and everything had some sort of structure around it so being a child growing up in the only parent only child single parent household was really it was really um the beginning of my of my military career I ended up going to the military when I was 19 and I was more than prepared for it based off of how I was raised my mother was uh she was very uh very planned out and, me- and methodical, meticulous in how she I'll give an example. I'll give a perfect example. My mother has clothes that she's had since the nineties. Mm-hmm. Since the nineties. And she stores them. Everything is color coded. 
Like she has a purple section, a white section, a red section. <laughs> and to me, that's normal. But to other people mm. that may seem that may seem crazy. But to me, I know if she tells me to go get her red shoes, I know, I know exactly where to go to get them. You know what I mean? And for me, it's like, yeah. that's that's the normal thing. So even when I do my closet, I'll color code or color coordinate my clothing when I hang it up or when I fold it up. And it's just out of, that's just how I was raised, you know? Yeah. So it's like repetition. This is what I've been doing. So I'm always going to do this. And it works. It works. Mm. It's, you know? So you said she was structured but not strict. Explain the difference to me because, like, in my head, when I'm disciplining my children, I feel like I have to be strict. For me, strict is like, like a negative. You know, I never hear people use the word strict in a in a in a positive manner. Strict is always like things that you're not allowed to do. When my mother was never the type to say "don't do this" or "don't do that." She would tell me what I'm allowed to do. And I knew better than to do the things I wasn't. So in her situation, in her situation, another example, when I found out my mother was moving, when we were moving to Missouri for my mother to become a drill sergeant, I laughed at her. And she asked me why I was laughing. And I, I said, like, they're making you a drill sergeant. Don't you have to be mean to be a drill sergeant? And she laughed and, you know, argued with me. And she said, I'm mean. I can be mean if I want to. And we both thought that that was a joke because my mother is like the nicest, kindest person that I've ever met in my life. The mm -hmm. sweetest person on the planet. But she can switch gears into that disciplinary role. And I just see the difference between being strict and being disciplined as strict is like, strict is like, the result of it's like the result of when the disciplinarian has to go into the the other bag of now i have to crack down on you now i have to take provisions away from you your your own punishment your restriction all of those type of things whereas discipline mm -hmm. is just a structured way in performing instead of just running outside and running back in the house take your shoes off put your shoes by the door get your coat, pick your coat up off the floor, you know, those type of things. That's what I see as discipline. And that's who my mother was. My mother was very disciplined, but she wasn't strict at all. Hmm. You know? That's interesting. Did you notice that, like, you were different when you went to school around other kids, like, based upon your structure and how you did things? Yeah, the kids is wild, especially in the <laughs> 90s. Kids is crazy. Coming up in the 80s and the 90s, and then I've lived in so many different regions of the of the country and i've also lived in germany so just seeing different cultures and different modes of life i see that the way that my mother raised me was better than some children were raised uh, i have another example i remember at five years old at five years old my mother would already be off to work i would wake up from my alarm clock she would set my alarm clock to wake me up and this is at five years old like five six years old she would set my alarm clock to wake up she's already long gone to work my alarm clock would go off I would go into the bathroom there would be a list of instructions that I needed to do brush your teeth 
um, get dressed, wash your, wash your clothes. I mean, wash your, wash your body up. The clothes is already laid out for me. All I would have to do is follow the instructions on the note. Get dressed, go into the kitchen. There's a glass of milk sitting in the refrigerator. Pour a bowl of cereal. Pour the glass of milk into the bowl of cereal. Eat. Watch cartoons for maybe 20 minutes. The bus comes at 8.15. Be outside on the porch at 8.10. Catch the bus. When I get home, go to my next door neighbor's house and wait till my mom gets off work. Do not leave her front yard. And that was like an everyday thing to me to the point where now when I'm grown and I talk to people and people tell me how they don't leave their children at home alone and, you know, 10, 11, 12 years old, kids aren't allowed to be at home by themselves. When I was 10, 11, 12 years old, I was making dinner, you know, know? Mm. I was washing clothes and ironing clothes and all of those things. So for me, it was like, I feel that I was ahead of most children. I'm sure I was ahead of most children. Most kids are just learning how to brush their teeth and I'm locking up the house, you know? So So ultimately, I appreciate how my mother raised me because it made me the man that I am today. Yeah, of course. course. So was there ever a time like you didn't follow the instructions on that paper? Were you ever fearful of what she would do if you did not follow the instructions never I already knew what she was gonna do she would kill me if she, <laughs> she would kill me if she came home from work and I was still at home because I missed the bus there's no way around it I wouldn't be talking to you on this phone right now you never tried it like you was that scared of your mother like I'm not gonna do anything wrong and again it's it's the difference between like fear and discipline I just knew better. Mm. I knew better. Mm. It's like I wasn't, I was never, I've never been scared of my mom. I've mm. always had a level of respect that I just wouldn't cross certain lines. And not following the instructions is one of them. Got you. I think the difference between us growing up and these kids in this generation, they have so much, um, so many resources now. Like they can learn how to do so much stuff on YouTube and they can talk to adults online. We didn't have all that technology. So it's like, I felt like we were safer in our homes. Now I don't feel like these children are safe. Not at all. They have too much access. And people have access to them. You know? True. Strangers can, instead of, remember back in the day, it was like, don't approach any stranger in the car with candy and, you know, no, no, don't go to the van. You know, mm-hmm. it was always something like that. But now the yeah. predators, the predators can prey on you from inside the house. You know, the predators can be on these video games talking to your child while they're playing. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty scary. So um, you have you have children, correct? I do. I have two children. Okay. And do you instill in them some of the things that your mother, uh, how she raised you? Maybe even a bit more maybe a bit more because I'm more strict than my mother well you just said strict was not a good word it's not (laughs) and that's and and when I use it I'm using it for that for that reason like there's some things that my mother was leaning on that I don't play with so I'll and I'm not the physical disciplinarian like most brothers are I've only whooped my son once and I've never whooped my daughter I've never had to whoop my daughter but um, 
It's just I don't play about certain things, certain things I don't play with at all. But a lot of what my mother taught me, I do. I do instill in them. I want for my children to be independent. If something happens, God forbid, to me, I want them mm-hmm. to be able to to care for themselves. I want my son to know how to cook and to I want my son to know how to sew and those type of things, like real skills that a man I feel like should have. Mm. As well a lot as of men don't. A lot of men don't. Do you notice like some of your friends now lack these skills that you have? Yes. I do notice that. Do you look at them any differently? I don't look at them differently, but I just recognize the difference between somebody that was raised with structure and with discipline versus somebody that was not. Mm. And I think a lot of those things carry on into life. Because my mother woke me up and had a schedule laid out for me, now when I wake up, I subconsciously set a schedule for myself and I know when I need to be out of the door. I know Mm -hmm. when I need to get up and get moving. I know when I have time to sit down and breathe and and watch a couple shows. It's, it's, It's structure that was set in my life and implemented that never faded. And that's the reason why, shit, I've never not had a job. I've worked ever since I was 11, 12 years old. I've always had my own because I've had structure. Right. I agree. I agree with you. Earlier, you said your mother was lenient, things that like you would never be lenient about. And that was like the the idea of the podcast, because I realize I'm too lenient and it's certain things that a man would do differently than me. So could you give some examples of what that might be like your mother versus your um, teaching of your children or how you're bringing them up? I have great examples. So when I was young, wrestling would come on at like 10 o'clock. I love wrestling. <laughs> I, I used to. Well, yeah, now we know it's fake. Like the Undertaker, Kane, that, <laughs> all that. Like, <laughs> I used yeah. to think Undertaker was really dead. I thought he was really dead. <laughs> Straight up. Straight well, up. I thought they were brothers for the longest. The Undertaker and Kane for some reason. They, Something like that. They were, I thought. But I'm sorry. Go ahead. So wrestling came on at 10 o'clock. What about right. it? So wrestling would come on after my show. I can't remember what show I would watch. But as soon as my show goes off, wrestling would come on on USA. And so at first, it started out, Mom, just can I see the first match? Then I'm like, can I watch it to the commercial? And then the older I got, it's like, I want to watch wrestling. So... I'm pleading with my mom every time, every Monday night it comes on. I'm like, mom, 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 can I watch wrestling? She says, you know what? I'm begging and pleading all of this. She finally says, you know what? You can stay up as long as you want. From now on, I was about 10, 11 at this time. Mm -hmm. She's like, you can stay up as long as you want. From now on, you do not have a bedtime. The only Mm -hmm. difference is... When the alarm clock goes off at six fifteen, you have to wake up. So you can mm. stay up to you can stay up to five in the morning if you want to. I won't say a word, but at six fifteen, you get out the bed and you go to school. And oh wow! That I'm telling you, at ten <laughs> at ten eleven years old, imagine the imagine the responsibility that she handed to me. Yeah, because any kid is gonna sneak and do whatever they are allowed to do. 
But when she told me that I can stay up as long as I wanted, mm. but I had to wake up early in the morning, that put my mind in a different perspective. Instead of saying, oh, I can stay up as long as I want. Now I started to say, I have to be up by 6.15. And it's just a different mentality that I had since a young man. Matter of fact, not even since a young man, since a child. So where all my friends are staying up as late as they can and then falling asleep in class, I'm going to watch wrestling, see a couple matches, and then be responsible enough to go to bed by 11, 11.30. That way I can wake up in the morning. And so that just, it, it taught me so much as far as responsibility is concerned. But the difference is with my children, psh, go to bed. <laughs> go to <What>? bed. <laughs> I don't Why don't you allow doing. them that freedom or like responsibility to put that on them? You said you want them to be independent. Yeah, but my children ain't me. I was raised in a different <laughs> era. Again, listen to me. I was raised in a different era. Wrestling used to come on once a week, Monday night at 10 o'clock, and then it would go off at like 12. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, these kids don't have that that they don't have that like tv used to go off when i was a kid like at a certain hour TV yeah would go off tv and shows infomercials come on yeah <laughs> exactly tv shows yeah. went off there was no binge watching a whole season in one mm. night so i'm afraid that my children won't be able to handle that responsibility because this world is different now my tv show mm. just doesn't re- repeatedly come on episode after episode after episode it's easy to lose track of yourself you watch four episodes that's four hours yeah so i don't really trust and it's not that i don't trust my children i just don't trust the environment in which they're in you know just like i was saying about the pedophiles i couldn't go two streets over because people were snatching kids but nowadays, people are approaching children on the video game. It's different. I don't mind letting my kids go two streets over now. I would much rather them go outside and play than to be on the video game. Mm. I'm the same way, and it really drives them crazy. I'm like, no, you got to go outside. And like, what are we going to do outside? I'm like, <laughs> be outside. you have an imagination. <laughs> like, I think that's where we got our imagination from. We became creative. We became hard workers. Um like, for example, like if something happened outside the house, I remember me and my sister were bike riding. Like we used to think if it was our car and we were going somewhere and she made me fall off my bike, like on purpose. And my knee kind of busted open. I was bleeding and we like turned into MacGyver. We like, we got to fix your knee. We got to do this before we get into the house. So like we improvised before we got home and got in trouble with our mom. I feel like our kids now don't have these skills. If something were to happen to my kids, they're like, mom, what do I do? And they're just like panicked. And yeah, those are the good things. (laughs) I really, I really believe, in some ways, the internet crippled, crippled uh, a generation. Oh, for sure. When I was coming up, there was libraries, and car catalogs, and dictionaries, and yellow pages, and sources for information. Mm -hmm. You would have to go to different sources to get certain information or white pages, things mm-hmm. of that nature. Even when 411 came out, you know, 
that was a thing, but you still, you knew where to go to get information. Now all of that information is in the same place. And so it gets lost, in my opinion. Instead of looking up your phone and looking for something informative, it's easy to get sidetracked with entertainment. You yeah, know? constant distractions, nonstop distractions. Mm-hmm. But I remember back in the day, I used to read the yellow pages just to find what's going on, what's out. Oh, they got, oh, it's three grocery stores, oh, it's two skating what? rinks. You know, I used to do those things. I would look huh. under skating rinks and be like, oh, it's, it's a skating rink on the east side and a skating rink on the north side. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, it's four Papa John's close by my house, you know, versus just being able to Google everything. That's interesting. Yeah. Now it's just like, hey, Siri. Um, that's why I think they don't know how to spell and write either. Right. Like it causes a lot of problems. Yeah. But even, even more than that, it's like you don't know how to explore. You don't know how to find. When you were talking about sending your boys outside, like kids get bored outside mm-hmm. as if as if they don't know how to make. Remember you used to make up games? Yeah. Like we used to make up games to play and then teach it to the to the kids in the neighborhood. And by the end of the day, everybody's playing this game. Yeah. I don't know how many games we done made up. Freeze tag was my favorite. Um, yeah. Red light, green light. <laughs> like, I can go through there with the game. We had we had a game called Blind Man Bluff, and you would you would blindfold whoever's it, and everybody in the room had to be quiet, and the person that was blindfolded had to tag somebody. The first person that they tagged was it, and they were the blind man. The next game, so we would just blindfold you, and then everybody would be as quiet as they can, and we could touch you, but you if you touched us, we were out. So hmm. that was that was one of the best games that we had. Hide and go seek in the dark, best games ever. <laughs> Smear the queer, best game ever. What's the last game you just said? Smear the queer. What is that? It's like a football game. It's really like one versus everybody football. One man versus everybody. You throw the ball up, whoever has the ball has to run to the touchdown. Once you make it to the touchdown, then you run back to the other touchdown. You get tackled, you got to throw the ball up. The next man gets it, run to the touchdown. Hmm. Okay, interesting. Do you see any benefits to social media? There's many the benefits. There's many Give me benefits. some examples. It's, it's, I think everything has a two-way street to it. It can be a crutch. Or it can be uh, a tool. You mm. know what I mean? Yep. And so everything is like a double-edged sword. Just like the way that we met. Yeah. You can meet people, quality people, and grow relationships. Or you can get trolled by people. And you can have people antagonize you and really bully and discourage you mm-hmm. over the internet. So it's really... Uh, I think about it all like that. Sometimes it's good to be able to Google pizza places in your area, but it's also just as good to get out and explore your own neighborhood and know your surroundings. Oh, of course. Yeah. So yeah. at times, at times I use the internet as a tool and mm-hmm. I'll explore the world. Now I can explore the world and even the universe in my phone, mm-hmm. but Oftentimes, it's easy to fall into that distraction and just flip through photos and, you know, go through the monotony of life. 
So in my opinion, relationships, I love to find relationships and meet people or rekindle old relationships, maybe catch up with friends. That's what I like about Facebook the most is that friends mm-hmm. that friends that I've lost contact with, I can catch up with again. Yeah. But at the same time, it's it's some predators out here and it's some uh some real bad some real bad energy that's on the internet that I try to stay away from. And I find like people live a complete facade, like people are into this game. It used to be a computer game. Maybe I think it was called Sims where you can create this life of yours and you're like living in this fantasy on the computer. And now yep. I think social media is the same thing for people. I can let you see what I want you to see and you can think that I have a good life and you can think I have all this, but I think you're just really hiding behind the computer screen. And sometimes you get, yeah, you get catfished by people's personality, not even looks. The personality for me is like the biggest one, the scariest. It's very scary. I don't like how everybody has become the same personality. I remember individuality coming up. I remember people from this side of town dressed and act like this. People from that side of town dressed and act like that. And then people from this city looked and talked like this. And people from that city, Mm -hmm. now everybody uses the same slang, dresses Mm -hmm. the same way, and it's just broken down the barriers that kind of, it broke down the barriers of what made us individuals. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. So to tie it back to um, discipline, I think that when I'm teaching my children how to be themselves, I use less internet and more like actual teaching that I got from, from family members. There's an example that I got from my aunt when I used to live with my aunt and uncle in Indianapolis. Every Sunday night, my aunt would make me lay my clothes out for the week. <laughs> The entire week? The week. <laughs> That's a lot. Okay. That's seven outfits. He's telling me. Man. I'm talking about what you're going to wear to church on Sunday. Everything Jeez. was laid out for the week. And then Sunday night, I would lay my clothes out and iron my clothes. But mm. as crazy as that sounds, I have such good memories of Sunday evenings, me and my cousin, because my cousin Tasha used to live with us, me and my cousin sitting in our room with two irons and two ironing boards. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> Go ahead, Sunday, I'm sorry. Sunday night, watching TV, movies, whatever we was doing, and ironing our clothes. We would both be sitting there ironing our clothes. And then for the rest of the week, I knew exactly what I was going to wear, what day I was going to wear. All my clothes is ironed. All I got to do is get in the shower wake up, get in my clothes, and go to school. So, hmm. again, again, just like with my mother's uh, curfew or bedtime example, this taught me so much about how to plan my week out. So now instead of just waking up and getting dressed and being late for school, now I'm already prepared. I'm thinking steps ahead. Now I know that we have a dance on Friday, so I need a fresh outfit. So, boom, <laughs> let me put this to the side. And then church, it's going to be cold, so boom, let me put that to the side. And I heard it's supposed to rain tomorrow. So instead of wearing, and I could just plan my week out, it gave me a, a broader perspective of my, of my week. 
you were this, prepared for life. That's and this what is as like. this is as a child. This is at yeah. 12, 13 years old. I'm planning out my week. Mm, you're so as you're saying this, I should have gave a better introduction or I should have let you introduce yourself of the many things that you do because it made me think about how you're creative but you have so much structure. So could you tell tell them, you know, some of your hobbies and things that you have done or that you do? I consider myself an artist. So anything artistic I'm interested in, be it painting, be it acting. I love stage plays. I love to perform in stage plays. Um, various types of writing. I'm a barber by trade. That's what I do for a living. And to me, that's the epitome of art is, mm -hmm. is cutting hair and styling hair. Um, just anything where I'm able to be creative, anything where I'm able to use my mind, use my hands. So to me, creativity is, it comes from freedom or just, I guess, having the time to explore. And am I, you get where I'm going with this, how you have so much structure, but you still have in a way to express yourself artistically. Uh, right. I think that being creative does not require structure or discipline. It's the complete opposite. You have to be disciplined to do your craft. I was going to say, it could be, be perceived like that, but I don't look at it like that. I look at it like, like structure, sometimes structure and discipline, those words take on a negative connotation. But I don't see structure as you got to do it like this. You got to do it like that. Straight, straight, straight. I don't see structure as that. I see structure as like a big circle and you can put things in that circle. You know what I mean? Like a boundary, more or less. That's how I look at structure. So I may set time to be creative. I may set aside time to actually sit down and create, you know? Just like if you was to set aside time to read. To me, that's being creative. That's, I mean, and that's being structured at the same time. That's like, I'm going to paint for an hour and then I'll draw for 20 minutes and then I'll play my instruments for an hour. And then that's my time for the day to do my hobbies. But I don't see it as... I don't have anything to do, so I'll just paint until I don't want to paint anymore. Gotcha. Like, I, w when I create, I don't create like that. That's how you'll always see the visual of the, the writer with writer's block sitting there mm -hmm. with a blank piece of paper, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, it's the writer at the table with a blank sheet of paper, and they can't think of what to write. I never do that. I never have writer's block. Like, if I am intending on writing something, I won't sit at the table with a piece of paper. And to me, that's like doing homework. If I'm attempting to write or I'm gathering my thoughts to write, I'll take a walk. And then I'll think, I'll think, and I'll prepare my mind. And then when I come home, based off the, the, the assessment or based off the thoughts that I gathered, then I can freely write what's on my mind. Hmm. Gotcha. Just like just like if I wanted to paint something, if I wanted to paint something and couldn't find something to paint, 
I will go find something that I like to look at. Like, oh, I love these shoes. I will go find one of my Jordans and put it on the table and stare at it. And eventually I would get inspired. But mm. I don't I don't want for structure to have like a negative, a negative definition to it. I think structure is beautiful. I think structure is how things should be. It's like having like the laws of gravity. It's it's like that is the law. That is how things go. Structure is how things should go. There should be a nice flow to everything, like a dance. Like if me and you are dancing, we know if we're dancing good. You know? You know when you miss a step or you know when somebody's off beat. But a good structured dance, it flows freely. Well, for me, that's being in tune with yourself and being in tune with your body to me. And I agree with structure and discipline being a good thing. Like, that's why I said good things require discipline in life. And I feel like if I were more disciplined versus creative and like a free, then I would have accomplished a lot more. So like my upbringing is completely different than yours. I didn't have this structure or this discipline. I just had the ability to do whatever I want. And because of that, I got to explore so much but I didn't realize, I didn't know how to, um, to, to, after I soaked it in, I didn't know how to put it out. So when did you okay. find a way to express yourself? Like what age do you feel like you became an artist? Uh, maybe, maybe like 13, 14, somewhere in middle school, seventh grade, sixth, seventh grade, eighth grade. How did you come about that school? I think for me, it was realizing that I wasn't an athlete. Oh, that's you know? deep. Like where everybody was so gung ho on sports, like mm. I didn't really give, I didn't really care. Like I didn't care to memorize stats. I was fine if I didn't catch the game. I didn't really have to be on a team. I just, even to this day. Sports just don't really excite me. I can honestly care less. Like I watch my team, but if my team ain't on, I can keep it. I can keep it moving. But to take a Sunday out all day and just watch football all day—that's <laughs> not my style. And I don't think that makes me any less of a man or anything like that. It's just—it's not interesting to me. You know, I'm competitive. I'd rather play sports than watch sports. But ESPN all day—that's just not me. So I realized that when I was maybe sixth, seventh grade, is that everybody was trying out for the team and what sports you play and how many sports and sports, sports, sports. And I was like, yeah, whatever, man. I like music. I like <laughs> girls. I like drawing. I like colors. I love, like, I remember in class, we learned about the color wheel in our class. That was, mm. I was so engaged in that class. Finding yeah, that's out mind blowing. <laughs> I love, because the color wheel is such a deep, it's so deep with, with knowledge and information. Like mm -hmm. if you was to just look at certain colors and how these colors make those, and if you add white, it brightens. If you add dark, it uh, black, it, it darkens and it tints. Tint versus shade, color contrast, all of that was just so interesting to me. Even now that I'm talking about it, I can feel my brain lighten up as I'm talking about colors and the relationship between certain colors and how black does this to colors and how white does that to colors so 
that was always more interesting to me was was just artistic things. I always wanted to learn how to play instruments. I always wanted to paint and draw. Graffiti was always like uh, attractive to me. I would see graffiti murals and things like that and it would just always stick out in my mind as beauty. I like how you said that because I didn't like sports. I never felt like I was less than a man. I think that's so important because I think people have like this idea of what masculine has to be like or what a man has to do and they avoid their emotions. Like from hearing you talk, I can hear your emotion and how you embrace your emotions. And I think vulnerability is like a super strength. I don't see it as a weakness. But the world we live in now is just, yeah, things are confusing. They just have it to where you're supposed to be a certain way. Even when I was saying about the uh, how they took the the individual borders off of everybody and made everybody the same, it's like if you're a man, you're supposed to think like this, act like this, dress like this. You don't mm-hmm. cry. You don't. You don't. You don't. You're never insecure. You're never vulnerable. You you're always strong. You always and it's like that's not the truth. That's not reality. Mm-hmm. I like football. I love. I can watch football. I'm not going to say all day. I can watch my team play football all day, but I don't care about anybody else's team. So for me to sit there and try to run through stats and do brackets and all of that, I don't give a damn. But I care deeply about the musical scale and how notes, I, I care much more about the things that I'm interested in. You know what I mean? Stats yeah. and and how you performed at the big game yesterday. So what? Win or lose, it's just a game. Y'all gonna play again tomorrow. Forget all about today. Mhm, mhm. That's another just, thing with social media. Things just go so fast that we don't just really embrace what's happening. We don't we have don't time appreci- to digest. Appreciate it, right? I agree. So, as I was I as agree. I was coming up, as I was coming up, it was like all the boys play football, but especially if you're black. All the black boys, football, basketball, <laughs> track. Mm-hmm. That's what it was, football, basketball, track. And then it's like the white boys was soccer, wrestling, baseball. <laughs> you know? Isn't that so funny how race makes divides us into certain activities and sports? Because I do things that I guess aren't considered in the black, normal black girl thing, like horseback riding, walks in the park. I really enjoy those. And people are nice. like, why are you doing that white shit? I'm like, how... <laughs> Why is it labeled by color or by race? It's just an right. activity. Just like if you was black and you played soccer or you was black and you played baseball, you're a white boy, you know? And if you're a white boy and you run track, oh, he, you know? He thinks he's you a white boy. <laughs> yeah, you're a white boy and you, you play basketball. And so yeah. those, those type of uh, barriers I never agree with. I never yeah. agree with. Yeah. Even as even as a child, as a young man, I never agree with that. That might be because you traveled so much. That was your benefit of the military. So I feel mm-hmm. like traveling opens my mind, and I'm a lot more open-minded um, since I've moved away and came back, and I got to like witness people from different cultures and different areas. I learned so much. But when you're stuck in this one environment on your block, you only know the north side, east side, west side. And it goes back to what you were saying earlier, like everyone speaks this language. You don't understand any other language. You don't know any type of foods. Like your mind is just very small to me. 
Right. And small mind creates a small life to me as well. We were talking when we first met and you was asking me about the culture shock of moving to Ohio. Something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I was telling you that when I moved to Reynoldsburg, I, I went to Reynoldsburg for one year, my senior year. And when I got there, I was so impressed at how big the African population was at Reynoldsburg. Not only was there a lot of African kids there, but it was different groups of Africans. So to see, because usually at, in my schools, it'd be like one or two African kids. But in Reynoldsburg, it was like a group of Senegalese kids. It was a group of Ethiopians, a group of Ghanaians. It was a group of Somali kids. And it was a bunch of different groups of Africans. So I got to see it broken down into basically tribes. That's how I looked at it was different tribes of Africans. Like, oh, they all look alike. They look alike. Mm. They're all dark. Oh, they're all light-skinned with curly hair. They're, you know, and to me, that was, that was educational because me being the type of person I am, I'm talking to these people. I'm like, hey, so you're from Sierra Leone and y'all speak French? Okay. Yo, you're from Cameroon and what do y'all speak? English? And everybody's telling me about their, their country. Oh, yeah, we were invaded by the French. We were invaded by the Dutch. Uh, when I meet Caribbean people from the Caribbean, people from Haiti, and they're telling me how the French came and colonized over here. That's such an interesting topic. That's the part of life that they don't teach us. So mm-hmm. it's almost like I'm retracing my steps going backwards. I'm talking to my African brothers and sisters, hearing how they got here, because I kind of know how I, how I got here, but they came here in a different fashion. Mm-hmm. So when they come, they're bringing culture with them. Our culture yes. was taken from us, but they're mm-hmm. able to bring their culture over with them. Mm-hmm. And so it's beautiful. They, they essentially are our bridge back to Africa. You know, mm. when they bring their culture and customs to us, it's beneficial for us to learn from them so we can trace our way back. Because the closer I get to Ghana, the more I see like, oh, shit, I look like these people. I look like mm-hmm. the Igbo tribe. I look like the Shanti people. And I can trace my footsteps back to where I'm from. Mm. A lot of people don't think like that. As you were saying that, I was going to ask a question, like, were they open to um, telling you information or, like, were they standoffish? Because um, here in Columbus, I feel like a lot of people are in tribes, not just the Africans, but, like, you know, this is who you hang with and you can't talk to this person or you're perceived as being a traitor or whatnot. Right. But and when you were saying that, I thought of, I think his name is Dale Carnegie, and he mo- wrote a book about how to win friends and influence people. And it's basically asking them questions about themselves because people love talking about themselves, their culture, their upbringing. And that's how you learn. Well, that's how I learn is by asking a lot of questions. Like when we met, I'm sure you were like, damn, she asked a lot of questions. Or you could have been like, she's very inquisitive. But you didn't hesitate to talk about yourself because that's just our natural instincts to share and talk about ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that's basically that's basically how I learned about African culture and civilizations was through my African dope. friends. That's dope. And when you were talking about the transition to Ohio, the reason I asked that question, which goes back to the main 
<laughs> subject of the podcast and the episode because we've been everywhere, but it's good. But the reason I had asked that question is because you had came to live with your father after your whole childhood, you were with your mom and she's like, okay, it's time for you to go be with a man. I don't know what you did to get here to go, you know, she couldn't handle you. Know, I don't know what you did, but you know, I wonder <laughs> at what point. <laughs> yeah, and at some point as women, we're just like, I, I don't know what else to do. So here, yeah. what was the difference? Not just the culture shock at the school, but between living with a woman. I know you said she was lenient versus being with your father. And what did he teach you in life that is still very beneficial that you feel like you needed it? And you didn't know that you missed out. Honestly, that would be like a whole nother episode. But mm-hmm. in a nutshell, in a nutshell, where my mother was military and militant and structured and in order, right? Mm-hmm. My father was the same thing, but just from a fatherly perspective. So my mother was a drill sergeant. She didn't play no games. She wasn't about no 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 mess or none of that. She was a single mother raising a young man. And my father was married with two children. My father is a deacon in the church. And he's Chicago, Illinois. (laughs) He's no joke. Neither one of my parents are mean or strict or any of that. But they're both structured. Like my dad wakes up in the morning reads his word, gets his day started, handles business at work, and then comes home and provides for his family. Teaches, takes time. Saturday mornings, we waking up. He used to do this with me and my little brother. I, I will forever appreciate this. Saturday morning, my dad would wake us up. We'd jump in the car, put the lawnmower in the car, and we'll go cut grass. Me, my dad, and my little brother. We'll cut grass from maybe seven in the morning to maybe like two, three in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. Whatever money we make, we split it four ways. We all would get a cut and then the extra cut, because it was only three of us, the extra cut, we would take and go get something to eat, whether it's a pizza or some Chipotle's or something like that. But we all would leave with money in our pocket and then we'll fellowship with the rest. Mm. And that instilled so much in me. For one, it was good time and fellowship. For two, we was making money. And three, we was exploring our neighborhood. I made so many relationships based off going door to door, knocking and cutting grass. So many people uh, signed us up to be regulars, come and cut the grass every two weeks or something like that. Um, we, we met the neighborhood and the surrounding areas, you know. And I just, I appreciate those moments. But that's the type of my father, that's the type of man my father was. My father was very structured, uh, a a great disciplinarian and all of those things, but not in a negative fashion. It was like in a positive. Like I could wake up at five, six in the morning and see my dad reading his word, Mm. you know? Mm. And anytime something happened in the church, my father is is there. If somebody's in the hospital, we there. If If somebody needs the church unlocked, we there. Anything, my dad was always available. He was always willing to help. And so what I learned from my dad early was more structure, more discipline, just for a different reason. My mom was doing it because it was just us. And that's, you know, a woman trying to mm, raise surviving. a man. 
Yeah. So my dad, my dad was showing me like the different side of survival, you know, a different side of raising a family. It was it was the masculine side of it, you know. Hmm. So, so what I feel like I feel like I feel like I got the best of both worlds. I was raised as the man of the house with my mom and I had all kind of structure, but at the same time, she was very, very understanding and very lenient as far as how I was living. I could have friends, I could stay up, I could do whatever I wanted, just as long as I was inside her structure. And my Mm. dad, because of how I went over there, I was kind of in trouble when I got to my dad's house. He took all of my freedoms away and Mm. gave me discipline. But not like abusive discipline, like ass whoopings. He gave me discipline, like, you know, this is how we do. This is what we do. Saturday mornings, you get up, we work. Sunday mornings, you get up, go to church. Monday through Friday, you get up, go to school. But you're going to get up, you're going to get active, you're going to move. Because mm. this is how my house runs. My door is locked at 11 o'clock. If you out, stay out. If you in, stay in. But my doors are locked. I set my alarm. I'm not cutting it. You know, he was just very structured like that. And it taught me how to be a man. You got to have boundaries. You got yeah. to. You can't just you can't just let anybody come in your house. You can't let anybody, you know, don't let people in your room. This is where the company goes. When the company comes over, y'all go downstairs. It was just structured discipline. Mm. Whereas my mom was like, y'all go in your room and we eat snacks in the room and all of this. Just make sure you clean up. <laughs> my dad wasn't having that. Mm. Boy, I just, I feel like boys know what they can get away with with a woman and what they can't get away with with a man is just like the authority. Like you already know. You already know. Yeah. There's an element of fear that came with disappointing my father. I wasn't really scared of, I was more like I didn't want to let my mom down. You know, I didn't want to disappoint my mom. Whereas my dad is like, shit, I'm scared. I'm, what? I'll be good. <laughs> you know, I was. I, there was an element of fear that my dad had. And it was different with my mom. Like, I didn't want to, I didn't want for my mom to be disappointed in me. Mm. With my dad, I didn't want him to be mad at me. Got you. So, so if, I can, say, if, but... if, if, I, if I can help, if I can help with your situation, I would say in trying to, instead of trying to instill discipline and structure in that fashion to where your sons have to be scared, just really tell them what you expect from them and then make it to where, like, they don't want to let you down. They don't want to disappoint you. You know, like, nah, we need to clean our room ups because mom said, and, you know, mom does a lot for us, so at least we can do is clean our room up. It's a different level of understanding. Because you don't want for your you don't want for your boys to fear you. No, I don't. But like being a single parent is like I, I gotta kinda have both in some way. I feel like I have to pull both in. But there was like I had like an epiphany, like I can't be a man. Whatever I do, even if I'm tough <laughs> and I put you had that in them, it's, I, it was an epiphany, <laughs> like for real. Because <laughs> I was like, why ain't this shit working? I know I'm doing this. I'm like, I'm never going to cut it. So let me just embrace this side of it. And it's just like, I just got to show love. That's all I can do. 
because anything else is, is going to turn to them like being rebellious or be, them being like, oh, she's too mean, she's too strict. And But I try to tell them like, we have to have this structure and it's because of your safety, but they don't understand that part of it. And that's, you know, partly because of the internet, like what we were talking about, but how, yeah. how old are you saying? I have a teenager who is 16 and I have a 12 year old. He's a 16 year old driver? No, not yet. He's focused on basketball and he is his goal is the NBA. So when you said that earlier, that's why I kind of had like a giggle because I don't know why every black boy's dream is to go to the NBA. Like this is the only career choice that they can have. <laughs> that, do you worry about him driving? Um, I do. Yeah, just because of the phone is a distraction. Like, it's not about him. It's about other people as well. Like, you got to be more mindful of things, of people. And um, my fear is him is he doesn't know how to read his environment. Like, from us growing up back in that era, we knew how to read our environment, our surroundings, and read people. And because they're on their phone so much, they don't have the skills that we had just from our day-to-day life. Well, and it can get caught slipping easily. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing. That was good. Thank really you for good having conversation. me. Thank you. I appreciate you. <laughs> All right, people. Thank you for tuning in. Have a good one. Bye. Thank you so much for joining me. I hope you got some takeaways from this. I hope you got some topics that you can take back and even discuss with your own family. You are very appreciated. I just want you to know. And hopefully you come back for more. We have a lot coming up and I'm very excited about the things to come. Now, every Wednesday, I will be on my Instagram live and I will be doing follow ups for the podcast. If you would want to discuss something in further detail that you heard or you have a story that is relevant, tap in with me. Let's get on live. Let's have a good time. Okay. My Instagram is Daya, D-A-Y-A underscore Lene, L-Y-N-A. And I'm going to do this every Wednesday, 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thank you, family. Stay safe. Stay prayed up.